Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We were building apps before there was iPhone apps. At the time, it was such a novel idea that when I told people we built apps, they thought I meant app devices. <laughs> <laughs> I told them, hey, listen, in a few years, you're going to be doing your banking through apps. Mm. And people chuckled. They thought it was joking. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable That's now. But yeah, yeah. Wherever you guys are watching this show, I would truly appreciate it if you follow or subscribe. It helps a lot with the algorithm. It helps us get bigger and better guests, and it helps us grow the team. Truly means a lot. Thank you guys for supporting, and here's the episode. All right, welcome back, guys. Digital Social Hour here with a very great guest for you guys today, Dr. Alex Mayer. How's it going, man? Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I got to know this because I've seen your doctor, obviously. What did you specialize in? Uh, Mechanical engineering, complex systems. I have a PhD in engineering. Whoa, yeah. that sounds fancy, man. <laughs> Where did you do that? In the States or? Yeah, University of Maryland, College okay. Park. But you didn't grow up here? No, I immigrated here after my undergrad. I was uh, 21. Okay, where were you before that? I grew up in Iran. Wow, Yeah. that must have been a big change. Huge. <laughs> like, what was that like? Did you come with your family or did you come alone? No, I came alone. Wow, that must have been scary. Morning. Yeah, I and... couldn't speak the language. Oh, you didn't even speak English? No. No. Dang. I could read, but... Uh, I couldn't converse. I couldn't understand. You know, when I watched TV, I couldn't understand it. So <laughs> wait. So what did you do in class? <laughs> <laughs> it took me, I want to say, three months. Three to months. Pick it up. Yeah, it's pretty quick. No, I have. I had to. <laughs> right. I I've heard from people outside the U.S. that English is one of the hardest languages to learn. It is difficult. I mean, it is easy to uh, read and write, uh, but talking is dif- difficult. Right. So, yeah, that's what I've heard because there's so many nuances and weird words. Even exactly. I struggle sometimes. With Cultural references are a big issue. Yeah. So, so I noticed you've been on kind of a, a hiatus the past three to four years on social media. What's right. been going on in your world? A lot of uh, M and A. Yeah. Big brands. So uh, it took a lot of energy. So I was just focusing on that. I feel that yeah. when you say M and A, you were acquiring companies, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And your strategy there. You and Ty went after older brands that were yes. out of business, right? Iconic brands that are distressed. So the brand and uh, and brand awareness is a strong. People like the brand, but the business model didn't work. Right. And you did that for three to four years, but now you're on to some AI stuff, I see, right? Correct, yeah. Deal.ai. That's Can right. you talk, talk more about that? Yeah, so it's a big trend. Uh, there are a lot of baby boomers retiring. And um, baby boomers own about 40% of small businesses in the U.S. Uh, roughly, depending on whose estimation you believe, there's going to be seven, six to $10 trillion of business assets changing hands in the next 15 years or so. Mm. So it's a huge opportunity for business buyers. And these are um, cash-flowing businesses. There's a supply glut of them coming to the market because of the interest rate environment, high interest rate the multiples are also depressed. So you can buy these businesses relatively cheap mm. as a multiple of their cash flow. 
which means you can buy these businesses and have the business operation pay for its own acquisition. Wow. So uh, with that's, that's um, I mean, that's an opportunity that I don't think um, people want to pass upon. And uh, especially with, I don't know how much you know about an acquisition M&A market, but it's very old school, mm -hmm. especially in uh, small businesses. Um, there isn't really a tech platform that is doing it, helping people do it. Yeah. Uh, and with AI, it's a specific, I mean, it's a lot easier to do this nowadays. Mm -hmm. It can help with different aspects of this process. So we're building essentially the tech platform plus the support system for people to do this at scale. Wow. I, I really like that idea because I, I sold a company and I had no idea what I was doing yeah. in that process because they don't really teach it. Not at all. Like, no one teaches you how to sell a company. No. And, and if you're doing a big transaction, like if you're a buyer and seller of the company that is, let's say, $50 million plus, yeah. there's obviously investment bankers that can uh, help you with that. But mm -hmm. if you're talking about a million dollar, $2 million acquisition or selling a company that is in that range, like let's say one to four, um, I mean, it's very manual. The brokers, like they don't have any tools. There are almost never there's a data room. Right. Um, so it's a process that can help a lot. I mean, that can improve a lot. Yeah. So is this something you experienced when you sold your dating app Zeusk for a lot of money? Um, uh, not really, because I, in that scenario, we had like sophisticated bankers. It was a $258 million transaction. So this pain point doesn't exist for companies. Like I said, like, let's say above 20 million, uh, there's always an investment bank. And they're like professionals and they do exactly, you know, this for a living. They, have data, they build data rooms and all that. It's when you go to small businesses, which is the majority of American businesses. Right. Um, and there are like, you know, 29 million of them in the United States. Um, that's when there is really no system, no solution. Mm. And uh, because it's not worth the investment banker's time, mm. it doesn't make sense. So that's where technology can make make the most amount of difference in my opinion wow. by helping that process run smooth that's cool so what's your strategy are you looking to acquire businesses in the five to 20 million range stack those up no it's smaller i want to say this well you can obviously do bigger acquisitions and all that but there's a break so um if, if you go higher in price point you're competing with institutional uh private firms that buy. therefore things are higher price as a multiple of revenue. So I think where the sweet spot is nowadays are companies that are, let's say, I want to say even like a few hundred thousand dollar uh, purchase price, like 300, 400K, mm. all the way to 4 million. And um, there are a ton of financing options available for entrepreneurs to buy them. Mm. Uh, most people don't know about it. Obviously the most well-known one is SBA. Mm. Uh, it's literally designed for this kind of acquisition, helping Americans own these kind of businesses. Right. And uh, you can uh, pick up these companies at a relatively low multiple. Multiple means net annual net income of the company and multiple of that as mm -hmm. a purchase price. You can buy like lower end 1.5 times annual. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's not bad. So you it's, make your money back after a year and a half. Correct. And, you know, higher end that I like to see is 3.5. So it's like, three and a half years <laughs> right so you essentially you use uh bank financing plus some deposit and you acquire the business and you run the business and have the business pay for its own acquisition place that's wow so you're not putting up any of your own capital 
little. That's actually insane. So the risk seems pretty low. Well, the business can go wrong. Right. <laughs> we all know that. So you really got to, what are some ways to bet the business to make sure when the takeover happens, the revenue stays the same right. or around the same? So it's an art and science. And, um, and part of what we are building on our platform is help with the science piece, which is essentially what are the questions you've got to ask and get the answers to. And that's AI can help with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not enough. So you collect the data, you analyze the data, you obviously get professionals to help you. Uh, but then a little bit, the art piece of it is the part that um, I'm trying to help the entrepreneurs myself. It's like talking to the sellers, meeting them, mm-hmm. understanding the reason they're selling. And um, and a lot of times I like businesses that the entrepreneur founder has been in it for decades. Mm-hmm. They're in their late 60s, 70s. I have some that are in 80s. Mm-hmm. And you know that they treated this business like they're the family member. So, you know, the team is, they took care of the business. They never thought about selling it. So, you know, they ran it like it is, it is there for forever. So they didn't like put weird things on it, didn't do a lot of weird stuff. And that, um, that's the profile that I'm the most comfortable with. Right. That makes sense. Because they've been in the business for decades, you know, the money's not going to go anywhere. It's, it's exactly. Like they didn't like, so <laughs> there's always going to be skeletons in the closet once you buy a company. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that kind of acquisition has the least amount of those surprises. Right. So, And do you care about the industry or are you going after certain industries or you just look at the numbers and treat it as is? So we are industry agnostic. So we do everything, but I tell you, where you can find really good deals are uh, low-tech service businesses, like for example, subcontractors, plumbing companies, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, consulting companies, IT consulting companies, marketing companies. Uh, I mean, those IT consulting companies would be a high-tech, but it's most of them are low-tech. Right. So, so service-based companies. Yeah. I, I so the the sector that I really like it's called uh, tech-enabled services. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, they have a particular tech stack or product that they insert into the customer's ecosystem. And because of that, they're very sticky. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. And then they make their money from servicing Got uh, it. that company. They have a high retention rate. High, much higher. Got it. So if you deploy it, even a small piece of technology into the customer's ecosystem, um, you have that customer for a long time. Mm-hmm. So like Intel with their chips. Exactly. Yeah, they've been in all the computers for years, right? Yes. Yeah, it could, it could, it doesn't have to be like hardware. A lot of times it's software. Uh, the best example, if you look at really big companies, it's Palantir, mm-hmm. which is a, it has government agencies that is as its, uh, its customer and it essentially is software plus service. Yeah. I like any business that sells to the government because yeah. you know that money's coming in. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I was uh, selling uh, during the pandemic, I sold some PPE to some government mm-hmm. organizations. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they got unlimited money, so yes. it doesn't even matter for them. Yeah. But speak, you mentioned Puerto Rico earlier. What's it like living there? Because I've heard mixed things, man. I'm not going to lie. Whatever you heard. Some people go there and they don't They don't like it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Is Are you one of those people? I'm an introvert, so I can uh, be inside my office and <laughs> I, don't care, I don't care where I live. Uh, my wife doesn't like it, so that's much. It's right. like, it's, it's a little bit difficult to get, you live on a small island. Right. So, so yeah. island fever is what they call yeah, it, right? Exactly. So you feel kind of trapped. Yeah, I really like it. I mean, it's a great country and great people. 
and all that. If you're an extrovert, you want to consider like splitting time. So, mm -hmm. you know, you don't feel trapped. Yeah. Have you always been an introvert? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Your, your whole family? Um, yeah, I want to say. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I've kind of mixed at different phases of my life. I've gone extrovert, introvert. But I've never happy vote is, is that what it's called? Yeah. Okay. So you can switch back and forth. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah, I can turn it on when I need to, you know what I mean? So yeah. depends on the situation I'm in. That's that actually makes you a functional introvert. Okay. So I can turn it on too. Got it. So but um it takes energy. Yeah. And I prefer not to. <laughs> <laughs> you seem like you're very cognizant of conserving energy. Yes. Is that something you think about often? Yes. I actually, yes. The actual term I use is brain damage. Mm -hmm. I try to minimize brain damage. So it brain damage means um, when you're, every time you work on a problem and um, uh, that problem, like it's, people think of, of it as time. I think of it as the amount of like draining power it puts on my brain. Mm -hmm. So I like things that are straightforward and I can, I see the problem. Like a solve, which is if inside a business or like a science problem, mm -hmm. that's perfect. But when you're talking about like you know buying a company, you have to deal with the emotions of the seller and the buyer and all that. So that's one. That's that's why I go for acquisitions that I fully understand. Right. I understand everyone's incentives, and you can minimize the brain damage. Interesting. So you believe we have almost a finite amount of energy? Yes. Call it willpower. I mean, there's quite a bit of studies on that, right? So your will, willpower is limited. Your energy is limited. Uh, if you use a lot of your willpower in the morning, by night, you don't want, you've heard the term decision fatigue, right? Right. So it's the same thing. It's just, you get tired of it. And, Interesting. And you become sloppy. So. So what's like the optimal hours you're putting in a day before you see fatigue? Um, I think, well, I work. Pretty much every waking hour I'm, I'm working. So I'm a workaholic in that sense. But today breaks. So the way I do it, I don't know if you've heard the concept of time blocking. Mm. Especially things that are uh, you don't want to do, like paperwork. Right. Okay. So the best way to handle those is to spend like an hour, half an hour, one hour, whatever in the morning on it. And just give it the amount of time that you allocate to it. Let's say mm. one hour. And then if it's not done by the time the time is up, it's fine. You do it tomorrow. So that's how I do it. And then I, and then there are a lot of things that I like, like building products I really like. Right. So they don't feel like brain damage. Got it. And uh, then I fill out the rest of my day with those kinds of stuff. Interesting. So you probably dedicated, you know, five, 10 years to becoming a doctor. What was that transition like to business? Because that's a very rare transition, I feel like, once you're a doctor. Yeah, it's, so I, growing up, I always wanted to be a scientist, and even when I was five, mm -hmm. if you ask me. Um, um, and I grew up in a family that um, valued science and education more than business. In fact, my parents looked down on business. Mm. So they, they were like, okay, so you make enough money to make like middle-class lifestyle, and anything above that is excess and it's not okay. Focus, wow. on, focus on education. Like that was like, education was ranked higher way higher than money and business. Definitely the term business was not a thing I grew up with. Um, my first exposure actually was in grad school uh, <laughs> at the University of Maryland. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I saw an ad, it, it, 
I don't know how much you know about Graz. Have you been to? Have you taken? I've heard of it. I've never <laughs> never made it that far. <laughs> yeah. So, so in grad school, um, you essentially live. I mean, a lot of grad graduate students they do research work or teaching work to pay their way, mm -hmm. and it's not a lot. <laughs> so uh, you're always starving. Mm. So I saw an ad for free pizza at the University of Maryland's Entrepreneurship Club. Yeah. And that's why I went there. <laughs> and, I'm and I'm standing in the back eating pizza and I'm watching these entrepreneurs presenting their ideas. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> I can't do this myself. Mm. So that was actually my first real exposure. Um, and I didn't really dabble in business until I graduated. And then uh, I worked as a scientist for two years. And um, then I was like, okay, maybe I should try it. Mm. And it's a one-way street. Yeah, <laughs> so you don't go back. You don't go back. <laughs> you don't go back. And honestly, if I go, I like business, don't get me wrong. Um, but my happiest days in my life were my scientist days. Oh, really? Yeah. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Wow. So, That's yeah, fascinating. Because so, yeah, so, you, you weren't making much as a scientist. No, not at all. I mean, it's, it, it's enough uh, yeah. to, to live an okay life. Right. But, um, but um, it was, it, there's a lot, it's, it's funny if I go back in life and people ask me that question, I'm like, if I go back in life, and I think I started when I was uh, 25 or 26 as an entrepreneur. Um, and um, if I go back to that moment, maybe I don't become an entrepreneur. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And you're so successful. So hearing you say this is really interesting to me. I mean, it is, look, if that, it's a, it's a, you, it's, I like science. I like scientific thinking. And um, it's just you do that for a living. It's actually a good life. So. Yeah, I feel like if you're really passionate about it, you could put the money to, I mean, they make decent money. I mean, yeah. so I guess you could, but I mean, having experienced what you have, making tens of millions, it's just interesting to see you. Yeah. It's, yeah, money is not everything, right? Right. So it's like, yeah, you can, if, and if, and if you don't earn it in the first place, you never know what it feels like. So. Right. So did you have a battle with your parents because they looked down on business when you told yeah. them you were transitioning? They must have been pissed. Oh, yeah, 100%. So uh, I was doing what I started my first startup. Um, I was also doing uh, my MBA at Berkeley. Mm -hmm. And um, and uh, what I told my parents, I'm dropping out because I started my first company that became Zeus. Oh, that was your first company? Yeah. Wow. And um, I had raised my seed round already. Mm -hmm. I had like employees and I was at the same time doing multiple things. And I told my parents, I'm going to drop out of school. I can't finish it. And I dropped out last semester. So mm -hmm. I had literally one semester to go. And uh, my dad called me. He's like, son, is it money? Because I can give you more money. Just stay in school. I'm like, no, dad. This is like, <laughs> this is, this is my new calling and I'm going to do it. So wow. they, they hated it. And how many years did it take for them to accept it? I would say two, three years. Yeah, that's that must have been rough, man. Yeah. But the fact that you started Zeus as your first company, I mean, was how much of that was luck, you think? A lot of it. So, <laughs> so uh, I really think luck plays a big role. Now, uh, there are ways to maximize your luck. Mm -hmm. uh, just flip the coin more often. So uh, try more ideas. That's the, I mean, end of the day, it is luck. Nobody can fully predict uh, if a product, especially a new product in a new environment, is going to have product market uh, fit, right. traction. And um, 
the best way, in my opinion, that you can maximize your luck is to do launch a lot of products mm -hmm. and see what works. And the ones that are the ones that are not working, you just cut. So that's a good point because people think they they have the winning product, but you never know. Hundred percent. It's like it's so difficult to. Yeah. So those first years, I mean, you were bootstrapping, right? We bootstrapped. Actually, uh, I raised capital for that company relatively quickly. Oh, pre-revenue? No, post-revenue. Okay. Yeah. So um, I, I'm a big fan of getting to revenue quickly right. and then raising capital because you want to get traction. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, it's not always possible. Like, let's say you have a medical device startup. Mm. It's just not possible. Right. Yeah, but um, if you have a tech or a internet type company, you want to get to traction quickly, mm -hmm. and then your life becomes easier, even if you need to raise capital. Yeah, so that's cool. I, I agree with that. I, I see these companies ra raising money pre-revenue, and I don't understand it. <laughs> Especially in tech company. What I mean, what are you waiting for? Why yeah. don't you just generate some revenue? Exactly. Too? Yeah, it just seems like such a big bet. Um, yeah. How have you seen the dating space, dating app? kind of change or, or evolve since you got involved? Yeah. So we were the, one of the first movers. Um, and um, so to give you an idea, um, our we were building apps before there was iPhone app store. Wow. So we were building it for Facebook and MySpace at the time. I remember those, <laughs> those apps on Facebook. Yeah. So, um, and then uh, shortly after we launch Zoo's uh, iPhone App Store open, and we were ready, so we launched on it. Um, at the time, it was such a novel idea that when I told people we build apps, they thought I meant appetizers. <laughs> That's funny. So, uh, uh, yeah, so, and, and I remember I was actually giving a talk at a conference, and I said, uh, at the time, everything was dot-com, right? So, um, I, t I told them, hey, listen, in a few years, you're going to even be doing your banking through apps. Mm. And people chuckled. They thought it was joking. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable that's now. Crazy. But that, yeah. Um, and that's how early we were. And we were the dominant uh, dating app for quite a few years. Yeah. My so, mom used your app, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so did you ever get on the app store eventually or you sold before that? Are you interested in coming on the Digital Social Hour podcast as a guest? We'll click the application link below in the description of this video. We are always looking for cool stories, cool entrepreneurs to talk to about business and life. Click the application link below, and here's the episode, guys. Oh, no, we, we were number one uh, online dating app in terms of gross revenue for, for years. Yeah, That's crazy. Yeah, we were actually top four, if I'm not mistaken. There was a study that looked at all the revenue-generating apps across all categories, and mm. we were like top five. That's wild. Yeah. And were you implementing AI back then to match people together? Uh, we had what we called, yes. So um, so I played dabbled in AI mm -hmm. uh, when I was in grad school. Uh, it was not anywhere close to what it is today. Right. Uh, but in 2008, when we were growing our app, um, I quickly realized that um, uh, what I call like survey or questionnaire based online dating uh, doesn't quite work because people cannot tell you with certainty uh, what kind of person they're looking for. Mm. In fact, there's almost no correlation between what people say they, they're looking in a partner versus who they end up with. Wow. It's, it's, and there's studies on this. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, so, 
So we quickly realized that the best way to actually predict who's a good match for someone is to look at who they're trying to interact with and then who's actually interacting back with them. Mm. So uh, we had this algorithm that looked at uh, what we call deep conversations. Like mm. it essentially looked at two people having multiple messages back and forth. And, uh, and uh, based on that predicted uh, in the future, what kind of people to show them. So, Interesting. So you would analyze their messages with other people? It's not message itself. It's okay. the, who they're interacting with. Got it. Uh, wow. Yeah, those sites were always interesting. I saw my mom on them. You could filter how much uh, their salary was. Yeah. Yeah, so you could just toggle how much they make and a list of I, people would pop up. I tell you a funny story. So when we started, this is, again, before even iPhone had App Store. So I'm talking 2007. Yeah. So we started collecting data on who is responding with, talking with whom, and mm-hmm. like, seems to be a successful match. And um, I, I built a simple... Uh, regression model mm-hmm. that looked at pre- can I predict who's going to match with whom based on attributes they put in their profile. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because the for men to be successful, one of the most uh, uh, the most important attributes was height. Really? Yeah. Well, that so makes you, sense. You will do well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hear a lot of girls talk about the height yeah. stuff, so that makes sense to height. me. And then the next one is income. Right. So height and income, those were the most important too? Yes. And so if you want to be successful and you're not very tall, mm-hmm. you have to make a lot of money to make up for it. Or you could get that surgery where you, uh, you've seen that one? Yeah, I, you I could have four inches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds weird. Yeah. <laughs> so were you verifying the incomes when people put it on the site? No. Oh, uh, no? It was self-declared. <laughs> so people definitely lied. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. And uh, there, is, is that an actual, actual problem in online dating? Later on, uh, we launch a feature. We were ahead of everybody else on this uh, mm-hmm. to do f- uh, photo verification. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at least they look like what they say they look like. Right. And then we had user feedback uh, if they really lied or they were a terrible person. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm reporting that guy yeah, for lying. Exactly. I heard people would lie about their ages on those sites too. Age too, yeah. Yeah. It'd be yeah. like seven years off. Yeah. That's crazy. The height, yeah. height, age. Yeah, but now I feel like Tinder makes you upload your ID or something. Yeah, but so people lie about their height on driving license too. <laughs> Wait, you could do that? I thought they measure you. They, no, they, no don't. they don't. They don't. So. Wow. I should have said I was like 6'8". And, and weight also. If I'm yeah. not mistaken, there's weight on there. It's right stuff to play. Nobody weighs you at DMV. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so embarrassing. You saw there's some airlines that are going to start weighing you now? Uh, I have heard of it. Yeah, that's funny, man. Because yeah. I guess it's uh, some of the flights are too heavy, right. so it's costing them more money. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So, um, are you mainly focused on deal AI right now? Like that's that's one hundred percent your time now. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. about family? Other activities? Yeah, I mean, family is. Uh, I mean, I set aside time for family always, but uh, work wise, deal AI. So you yeah. see a lot of potential now. A lot. Of it. So wanna... I think I think we are just seeing the tip of baby boomers retiring. Mm-hmm. And uh, I find these businesses very attractive. I mean, they may not be sexy like yeah. Silicon Valley startups, but um, they've had decades of uh, cash flow history, good team in place, like a hold on their market, whatever it is. And uh, there's a lot of potential. So I agree. And I feel like a lot of these uh, baby boomer companies, the owners have no idea how to sell their company. Right. Like you never really hear about, oh, I acquired a plumbing business. Yes. And 
and not, not only not only that, it's probably the first and last time. Right. That there's something coming. Yeah. So it's very important to them um, what they're doing, but they have zero experience. Not always, but yeah. Some of these unsexy companies, man, they actually they, they pull in some decent numbers. Yes. Like you'd be surprised. Yeah. I mean, you can find like subcontractors doing $2 million of EBITDA net income. Yeah. And you can buy others. It's, it's, it's out there. Yeah. That's super impressive. Yeah. Uh, a couple of your clips I wanted to talk about that I yeah. saw. Um, you said on another podcast, I believe it was four years ago, you said making 10K a month is really easy. Super you, easy. So you still feel that way? Is actually can make more now. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like I mean I agree with you, but I feel like a lot of people watching would would take some offense to that. You know what I mean? But uh, why? It's like look, it is. There's so much money out there, and people looking for products and services that improves their lives or some aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty easy, especially <laughs> in a service business. Mm-hmm. So, depends on the person, obviously. So if if you have no skills. And uh, and uh, you know nothing about it. Then maybe it's difficult. But then your step one is to go gain skills, mm-hmm. go work somewhere where you can gain gain those skills, and then it should be easy. So, and it doesn't matter like the age, gender, anything. You think everyone's capable? Yeah, I think so. Wow. Because I feel like that. I think the average salary is what like fifty k a year or something. Fifty six, fifty five, I think. So that's what six k a month. I'm terrible yeah. at math. Yeah, 10K. I mean, I just feel like the average person would be pissed seeing that clip. <laughs> <laughs> but why? But why? Is it better for people to know that it's possible that, or for them to have this self-limiting belief that mm-hmm. it's not possible? Yeah. I think people who think they can't do it, it's just a self-limiting belief. It so, definitely is. So you mentioned skills to develop. What are, what are some high-income skills you think people should look into? Uh, definitely engineering, marketing. Uh, two that are easily attainable. Mm-hmm. Uh, then sales, if you have the personality for it. Um, and uh, then everything else. I mean, people uh, learn finance. They can work as freelance uh, accountant, for mm-hmm. example. Um, there are, I mean, any role that you can think of. Nice. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So- you can be an HR consultant if you're good with people. Mm-hmm. You just tell me who the person is and there's probably a path. Yeah, everyone's good at something, right? Yes. So you yeah. can find ways to monetize it. Yeah. So your family placed, you know, heavy importance on education mm-hmm. and that took a toll on you. What are your views on education like with your kids? Yeah. Um, so education is good if you're clear about why you're going to school. Mm-hmm. So let's say you want to be an engineer or a scientist or a medical professional. Okay. Uh, the only path. Is this school, and it makes sense. If you want to get into business, okay, uh, getting a degree in English doesn't help you. <laughs> so, so it's just not needed. Yeah. So I would. Um, it it it's just a matter of like, don't push kids blindly into an education system that just wastes their time, loads them with debt, mm. and then gives them nothing at the end. Right. That's kind of. I mean, there's a time and place. Piece of paper they get yeah. that they'll yeah. probably lose in the closet eventually. Yeah, <laughs> history or whatever. Like, read the internet. Don't yeah. Read a book. <laughs> so. um, now let's talk networking because you built an extensive network. You're really good at networking, despite being an introvert. Right. How did you develop those skills? Um, 
uh, it's a little bit of being methodical about it, um, uh, in the sense that um, you can do it in a in a Google sheet or an Excel sheet. Uh, always identify people that you want to remain in touch with, mm. and just keep in touch with them on a frequent basis. It doesn't take that much time. Let's say a text message, hey, thinking of you, this is something I read that reminded you of that. Mm. Uh, that reminded me of you, that's a simple way. Got it. So it's just as you're going about your daily life, you see an article uh, that is relevant to someone that you know, just send it to them. Mm. So that's for already established connections, but what about new connections getting on their radar? Well, same thing. So. Um, uh, networking events, even though I'm, I've never been good at it. Mm. Um, uh, I think my approach has been uh, essentially, be, it's, it's kind of like, think of it as a chicken and egg problem. So if, if, you're, if you succeed a little bit in business, uh, people come to you mm. and network is built and then you can success, succeed more in business, right? right. So it's, a, it's not like, oh, I, I wait until I'm a billionaire, then I network. And it's not like, okay, I have nothing. I don't even know what I'm doing with my life. I'm a total bum with my mom's mom's basement. Yeah. And why don't people talk to me? It doesn't work that way either. So it's like a little bit of build your life a little bit, network, build your life more. That's one I definitely agree with that because there's certain stages where you have to network to get yes. to the next level. Right. And then there's certain stages where you don't need it as much. Absolutely. I mean, at the beginning, you don't need anything. Right. So... Yeah, you got to grind. I'd say make that first six figures right. and then network and then keep repeating that. Exactly. Yeah. Speaking of network, Ty Lopez, mm-hmm. how did that happen? Uh, we met at a <laughs> at an online dating conference, a oh, history yeah? conference. Uh, so we were both on a panel. Okay. Yeah. So this was a while ago. A long time ago. I want to say 2009 or 10. Wow. Yeah. So you've known him for a long time and you didn't end up doing business for a 10 years. Time. Yeah, exactly. So. Nice. Uh, we were friends. He's obviously a very smart dude, and uh, uh, we talked about books. That's how we connected. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, and that's how we became friends. And we nice. Friends for many years. Yeah. yeah. And what made you want to take that friendship into business? Because that's a tricky thing. It to is a tricky deal. With. I think we started with mental box, and um, um, you know, that's that was a, and it was a natural fit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was a revolutionary subscription yes. product at the time. Yes. You guys were like one of the first subscription companies, right? Yeah, into that. that. I mean, the concept of capturing books in the form of a video mm-hmm. uh, was invented by us, basically. Wow. So it's like, I mean, that's, that's Netflix for book videos. Yeah. <laughs> How many people were signed up at that at the peak? Um, over 100,000, I would say. Holy crap. Yeah. So every month they would get a book in the mail? Is that how it worked? So it, it was physical at the beginning, physical boxes at the beginning. Um, I didn't like it, and I tell you why, because uh, what happens is that people feel like they're accumulating junk, mm. so they don't read the previous box and all that, and it just is adding up, and they feel right. So we went into a digital model. Got it. So, so ebooks, ebooks, yeah, yeah, and Videos. the physical one probably couldn't be scaled either. Yeah, it's, it's a hundred thousand copies. Yeah, it feels good shipping <laughs> to people that yeah. just. Like we ordered a ton of books all the time and we're shipping it. So I felt like we were doing something good for the world. Right. Um, but it has that problem. Um, yeah. People are paying paying for it on a monthly basis. Physical books and shipping is expensive. And when people aren't reading it, because it wasn't just books, it was books plus 
summary pamphlets and workbooks and things like that. So it was a whole package. So if you were not using it, uh, it would just accumulate and it feels like you're accumulating junkets. Yeah, because reading a book a month for some people is pretty quick. Yes, yeah. two a month. Oh, two a month, wow. Yeah, I don't know how you and Ty read one a day. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's not about the speed of reading. It's like the feeling of people have real life. I mean, they have lives. Yeah. And maybe you know, they don't have time in a particular month, which is most people. Right. And then the moment you feel like it's accumulating, that's when you want to go cancel your subscription. For sure. Which books really stand out to you that you've read that left a huge impact on your life? Uh, um. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna name a book, but it's not gonna be very popular. I think the selfish gene was. I haven't heard that one. It's um, about evolution mm-hmm. and uh, how a lot of things that we do on a daily basis uh, are uh, driven by our genetic disposition to do those things for the gene itself to propagate. Mm-hmm. Meaning, the, at least the biological system. Some people are spiritual and all that, but the biological system. It's not designed to maximize your happiness. It's not designed to maximize your satisfaction. It's designed to maximize the probability of our genes propagating. Mm. Okay. So, and then once you understand that, at least at a biological level, you understand people. Mm. So you understand why people do what they do. Interesting. A lot of things. Yeah. Wow. So it's a lot of subconscious thinking then. A lot of it. I, I would argue that. 90% of things that you do on a daily basis, I just made up that number, but that's <laughs> well, sounds good. Yeah, 90% is driven by your some genetic code. Really? Yeah. Holy crap, that's yeah. kind of scary to think about. Yeah. So I mean, you're only controlling 10%? If that. Dude, because yeah. I feel like I'm in control of my life, but then I hear people saying you brush your teeth in the same way. Right. And now when I brush my teeth, I'm like, oh my God, I'm literally doing that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I tell you like things like, Greed, uh, envy, fear, happiness, right? They're all emotions that are informed with a genetic, that are created for a genetic purpose. Like they play a role. Mm -hmm. So when you feel yourself happy or sad or angry, um, you think there's an external, there's always an external stimuli. Mm -hmm. But, um, but But that's not why you're reacting. It's just you're genetically, you're coded, encoded in you to like things or not like this, like something, because that increases the likelihood of you succeeding in propagating your genes. Wow, that's <laughs> actually crazy to think about. Yeah, that's... So we don't control what we like, basically. Correct. That's, that's, so is that sort of like, where does that come from? Is that from past life trauma or something, you think? No, it's, it's literally genetically encoded. So, wow. so you... You have uh, you you feel hungry mm-hmm. because uh, people that did not feel hunger they would not go pursue food therefore they will lose they will not have enough calories they will not survive they will not propagate so those right. genes got eliminated so you're genetically programmed to like having food you're genetically pro- programmed to want to have sex and have kids you're genetically programmed to uh, bond with people around you, even though you think, oh, I, they're my, but it's like, essentially, it's like you're building a tribe so that if there's enemy attacking you, you can defend. That's wow. Yeah. So it's like, you don't think about the underlying reason. Yeah. Uh, you just do it. Yeah. You just do it because it's, 
comes from you know tens of thousands of years of evolution. That's crazy. So are there ways to change this genetic modification or is very it difficult? Very difficult. Very difficult. What's we, the... we we are mostly like I think of it as a lot of it is genetic disposition. Mm-hmm. Um, so and some of it is programmed early years in your life. And then you have two factors against you if you're like over 23, 24, that prevents you from uh, changing. One is uh, genetic disposition, you cannot change that. Second is uh, your brain plasticity mm-hmm. uh, de- decreases significantly with age. So it's very difficult to change your habits. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. You mentioned uh, finding happiness earlier. What's been your, your journey with that? It takes people their their whole lives sometimes. Yeah, and I, I have a very specific thing about it. I actually don't maximize for happiness. Mm. Um, happiness is a misinformed feeling. Really? So it is triggered for reasons that may not be relevant. So... <laughs> So I try to ignore it. Now, having said that, I'm not a machine. So <laughs> You're not an AI? I'm not an AI yet. <laughs> yet. <laughs> Before I connect Neuralink. <laughs> but um, at least right now, um, the way I think about it is like, okay, so why do I feel happy or sad about something? And does it really matter? So I try to ignore the feeling. It's, uh, wow. Yeah. That's a crazy way to think about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't try to fix it. I try to ignore it. Really? It's, yeah. It's just a sadness, the same thing. Happiness, the same thing. Fear, the same thing. Envy, the same thing. So no emotion. You just try to ignore all. I try to ignore it. Like now, I'm not saying I don't have it. I don't have those emotions. I have. You just don't show it. I try. I even show it sometimes because I don't have full control over it. Like you don't have full control over your emotions. I just try to tell myself that emotion isn't as important. Wow. So and I try to not pay attention to it to the extent that I can. Wow. Therapists must hate you. Yeah, I don't think it'd work on you. No, it would be, uh, yeah, I'm like, you can't play mind tricks on yeah. me. But how do, how does your wife and your friends feel about that? Because they, don't they yeah. want you to open up a bit? Uh, yeah, but I, I'm not like that. Like, I don't like, like, if I, if I, if I feel like I fucked something up, like I just, and I'm, and I'm mad at myself, mm-hmm. I try to analyze it and then I try to put it behind. So I don't think talking to people, oh, I should say that because there are a lot of people who go to shrinks and it's just not for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've tried therapy or whatever and it's, it's interesting, but like you said, the subconscious is 90% or whatever it is. So they really can't do much. if You think about it. Yeah. And look, we, none of us have our minds, right? So we don't even understand our own brains. Right. Um, it's just, and I for sure cannot control it, mm-hmm. okay? But I can do my best to tell myself that those feelings are not important. Mm-hmm. So, like, they're misplaced. Right. Uh, they're based on some old genetic code that is running in your brain that was designed for a completely different type of living. Mm-hmm. So now in the modern world, those feelings are misfiring, in my opinion. So, Interesting. So they're sort of, not relevant. I mean, if there was a button, we could just turn them off. Yeah. So when you hear these terms like, you know, anger issues, depression, anxiety, do you think those are choices? I No, I wouldn't say they're choices. Um, uh, I'm saying the way I deal with those is I try to ignore, like, minimize their importance in my right. life. Okay? They're definitely actually not choices. They are, um, 
like I said, their genetic programming combined with your upbringing combined with external stimuli mm -hmm. uh, that causes those emotions and you almost have no control over it. Right. What I'd like to think I have some control over is how much importance I place on those feelings. Mm. So that's what I can control. That makes sense. Yeah. Were there any periods of your entrepreneurial journey that were really low points? Because people just see the stuff on social media, but every entrepreneur I know, you know, high highs and low lows. Yeah, exactly. And uh, there are times my first startup, I think we practically thought we will shut down at least three times. So, wow, it's Dusk. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, we have like at least three times. Man. That I can think of. That's and, crazy. Yeah, think about because you ended up selling it for so much. Yeah, it's like it's like reviving it out of, uh, out of like essentially death, to a certain death. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and, and that puts a mark, I mean, definitely leaves a mark. Right. Um, and again, it's like going back, I'm like, okay, at the time at least, it was like, really impacting me my health was like even hit by it like, mm. that was just so much stress and going back i'm like well did my emotional reaction help with resolving it mm -hmm. the answer is no so for example fear as an entrepreneur right so you don't die if a business goes down it's not like you're actually your life is in jeopardy right. okay so fear is a misplaced feeling. Um, having said that, fear drives you to look for solutions, okay? So maybe a little bit of it is okay, mm -hmm. but you can't overemphasize it, okay? Because it's not like your life is on the line. Right. So especially in this country, pretty much you won't die from hunger. So, I mean, some people, it's not like everybody, yeah. but it's hard. Right. So, um, it's the way I think about it is like entrepreneurial emotions that come with entrepreneurship. You you don't want to completely ignore them, but you don't want to overemphasize it. So yeah, I like that because people are really fearful, but at the end of the day, their life for the most part isn't on the line. Yes, hundred percent. Like it, yeah. like we used to be. Yes, back when we were in wars and stuff. Yes, yeah. So entrepreneurship back then would have been something like, oh, there's not enough crop of potatoes my village right. to feed my family. Let's all get together and just conquer like the land, still, right? So, <laughs> yeah. so there's actual life or death scenario in that. <laughs> yeah. But in what we do, it's like nobody dies. Absolutely. So. <laughs> Did you feel kind of lost after you sold the company? Because I've heard this with, with founders that exit, they, they don't know what to do for- 100%. Yeah. In fact, it's probably the, the, the worst feeling that an entrepreneur can have is mm -hmm. post after selling the business. So, uh, it feels like you could have done more. Mm -hmm. uh, it feels like you uh, you let a, a story end without putting a good ending at it. Mm -hmm. So it, it just feels like it, it's empty. Wow. And how long did you feel like that? It was, um, I was against selling the company. So, um, but so I want to say a few months. A few months? Yeah. Okay, that's on the shorter end from what I've heard, but it's still a long time. Yeah, well, I kept myself busy with the next time. Right. <laughs> That's what we do as entrepreneurs. We try to distract yeah. ourselves, right? Yeah, it creates, it leaves a hole in you and then you fill it up with the next business. Right. Yeah. Man, so uh, it's been fun. Anything you want to close off with or promote? Um, I, I I think people should check out deal.ai. So that's my shameless plug. 
Uh, and I think, you know, going back to one thing you said earlier, I think people thinking that they cannot succeed in life is because whatever reason, okay? Whatever, like, doesn't matter what. Put a reason there. I cannot win because black, okay? Mm -hmm. Is a, is literally a self-limiting belief. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm -hmm. uh, we live in a in a world of abundance, and uh, especially with technology, and especially younger people um, should be able to make a good living mm -hmm. by focusing, trying, and taking advantage of the tools that are available to everybody. I love that those yeah. self-limiting beliefs. You don't even notice them, but you really manifest those. Hundred percent. Yeah. It's like what doesn't matter. It, it, I don't want to hear what your answer is. If you say I cannot succeed because of one, it doesn't matter who you believe. That becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So stop thinking that. Yeah, and I used to think that way too. That's why I can speak from the heart of this. Once I stopped doing that, my life exploded. Right. Yeah. So great, great advice. Thanks for watching, guys. Digital Social Hour, as always. I'll see you next time.